Wait a second. This isn't your grandma's cancer show. Not your grandma's cancer show. Hi, I'm Tatum Duroc, and today we're talking about what it's like to lose one of your friends to cancer. And I remember years ago, probably about 15 years ago, I was in a furniture shop and I was talking to the salesperson who was telling me what it was like living in the 80s and the friends that they had lost to AIDS. And it felt like a world so far away. I couldn't imagine losing any of my friends, let alone more than one. And it was something that I was concerned about coming into the kind of cancer support community. And I know that it can make a lot of other people reluctant. Like, what if you meet friends and then they die? And it can be really hard to find a space to talk about that loss. The loss of our peers is sometimes not not spoken enough about, just in general. I think we're really bad in our culture talking about it. But also when it's our cancer friends, sometimes it can be hard talking to people outside of the cancer world and also a bit tricky to talking to people inside it as well. So that's what we're going to do today. I've got two wonderful guests with me. I've got Mari, who actually, a little bit like me, was also reluctant um, about, a bit reticent about going into a support group, thought it might be all a bit depressing, um, but it didn't turn out to be that way. And I also have Hannah, and Hannah works with me at Shine. She has also been a part of Shine for, oh, oh my, Hannah, you have to come in here and tell me how long. It's 2018. So, uh, yeah, that's when I found Shannon, 2018. Yeah. And um, so you've got your own experiences as well as facilitating other people processing the loss of their friends. So I'm so happy that you're both here today. And Hannah, can you tell me a little bit about what was going on in your life when you were diagnosed? So I was diagnosed back in 2014. Um it was the year of the weddings, as I call it, not mine, I hasten to add, because I hadn't had a winning victim at that point to kind of marry me. <laughs> uh, it was the year of the wedding, so I was made of honour for two of them, and I think I had four weddings that year, Henry Galore, wow. um, big bills looming, and just like lots of um, sort of weekends away with hens, uh, probably raucous fairs, uh, work was crazy busy. Um, and yeah, life seemed quite good, really. I really hadn't considered any kind of health condition at all. Um, so yeah, I got diagnosed in July 2014 with a swelling in my neck, which... I think if it had probably been in my, my boob or somewhere like that, I might have referred to it as a lump and perhaps would have considered cancer was an option. But uh, to me, that never even jumped into my head until I got a call at work one day. So, yeah, life changed very quickly um, overnight, really. I ended up getting the diagnosis and within two weeks was on active treatment for uh, Hodgkin's lymphoma. So I uh, wasn't going to work anymore. And um, so all of your immediate social circles remove themselves, don't they, I guess? Yeah. Because you end up treadmill of treatment, hospital, feeling ill. <laughs> and so did you did you make all those weddings or were there some weddings that you didn't get to attend because of the treatment? I did make all the weddings. In fact, I was made of honour for one four days after my first chemo. Wow. And they, 
being an inpatient, I think, 24 hours before. I've ever been to on elderflower juice and um, yeah, certainly made it for an interesting... <laughs> Interesting view on the world of lots of drunk people. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, I mean, that's pretty yeah, that's hardcore. Fun. That's pretty <laughs> wedding core. Yeah. I even went into hospital with my bridesmaid shoes to kind of practice walking in them. So uh, keeps, keeps keeping it real. <laughs> yeah. And what did you think about getting support? Like, did you think, oh, yeah, first thing I'm going to seek out a support group or, you know, find other people like me or how, how did you feel about it? back in 2014 I wasn't really sure what I thought about it um I did join a few support groups um one for my particular type of cancer which was great but um majority of people there were a lot older um, and as lovely as they were um and they were all very upbeat their challenges that they faced were very different to the challenges I faced because most of them were over 60 um so there wasn't any impact on sort of mortgage or um careers or things like that they they were financially stable because they were on pensions so that that was good. I joined another support group locally, which was really nice, like in a coffee forum. Kind of went into that a little bit with intrepidation, really, because what do people sit and have coffee about and they just talk about cancer and is it all a bit people playing around like a, a circle? But actually, that wasn't my experience at all. Everybody was super friendly. Everything was quite upbeat, um, a lot of camaraderie. So actually, once you've taken that initial first step, um, it wasn't too bad. But um, I didn't actually find shine until my relapse in 2000. 18 um and my first introduction to shine was driving from manchester to bournemouth um to spend a whole weekend with 25 other individuals that have got cancer and it wasn't until i got to the car park and i sat there and thought what have you done you <laughs> like, this could be the worst thing you've ever done but i'd set myself a challenge at the beginning of that year which was i had to take on new challenges regardless of what they were i had to take on because this was my first one i think it was about the 5th of january or something they're crazy but actually it was the best thing i ever did Oh, yeah. I know I was there at that escape. And it is, it's such a leap of faith, isn't it? Like you just, you didn't even like come to a, like a one day event. You came for a whole four days, really. Yeah. And it took me five hours to drive there as well. So <laughs> really quite committed by that point. <laughs> and um, so the person that walked in and the person that walked out of that weekend, how would you describe them? I mean, I'm an extrovert, so I was quite confident when I walked in, but actually... I think because I'd been on my cancer journey for quite a while by that point, I'd had um, I'd gone back into work in between. It, it felt like I'd found, and we actually call ourselves, our, they're my tribe. Um, and I found my tribe because actually I could talk openly and honestly without having to caveat or justify anything. Um, you didn't have to explain how chemo made you feel, or the impact it had on your body image or uh, the impact it had on your friendships. And so for me, it was a really powerful experience. And I guess over the course of that weekend, they took us on a journey of understanding. And you suddenly start to realise that this being ill lark, as I perhaps termed it, um, pre-joining something like Shine, um, is actually much bigger than getting a bit ill. Because I guess previously to that, I'd only really probably ever had a cold. So you're ill for a few days. Right. You, get, you know, and like, so I'm quite fortunate in that perspective. But like, obviously, you get ill and you get well. So I guess that's what you hang on to, isn't it? When you get a cancer diagnosis or a serious health condition, you focus on getting well but then you realize as I did that actually there's still lots of unanswered questions and there's still lots of things that aren't quite right with you and let's face it um for me they're never going back to how they were before and I know that's true of you guys as well so for me it was that instant spark and the ability just to talk to people honestly and it, it still amazes me now how open and honest people are that come to shine events and they've never met people before and how they can just talk so candidly about what they've gone through some of the most complex things you've probably ever gone through in life really <laughs> yeah and I think that's the thing it's almost like friendships are sped up 
aren't they? Because you get to meet someone in in such a different circumstance and you can know incredibly deep things about them but have no idea what they do for work or what they did or what their partner's name is like or you know like these other things that you would normally know but you know their deepest fears at 3am and you know how they're navigating their body like you know it's really um quite an amazing experience when you do find your tribe like that um and do you still talk to them now yeah, I mean, our WhatsApp is still active. Granted, it's not as active <laughs> as it was when we first left the group in 2018, I think, on the Monday, by the time I got back into work, I think we've done 400 messages by 11am. I'm like, whoa, I can't keep up with it. <laughs> not as active as that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's still an active group. We're still all in communication with each other, um, inside and outside of, of that forum. And it's great when we meet up. Obviously, the last few years made that a little bit trickier. Yeah. Yeah, we're just there for each other. And um, that's true of other people I've met across Shine as well, not just that group of people. Um, I think... The honesty and openness that forms as part of a group where you get taken on an understanding of why you feel like you do or the impact that treatment has on you um is, re- is a really powerful one um and it's yeah there are tears shed um that, that's not kidding ourselves but there's also a lot of laughter and fun mm-hmm. that actually and it removes the loneliness and isolation is what i think and sometimes the darkest humor like that no oh, one yes. else would understand and if there we was anyone real, real <laughs> Listening you know, in. Actually, um, as part of the lifers group of our group, they went off and kind of looked at long-term life planning. And uh, one of them came back with, uh, come die with me. So it was a take on come dine with me and uh, pimp my coffin. Um, so we were in hysterics. Now, actually, only within a community like this would people probably understand if you start t- talking about come die with me in the outside world, people probably sit there and sort of like put their hands over their head and kind of cringe. But actually, within they would. Were- Dying laughing, weren't they? I mean, because they were like trying to think through the logistics of like how to rate each other's funerals and who would be the last one and like what the it was. And they just they were in hysterics. The release of that was just so palpable from them. And then the rest of the room, wasn't it? Yeah. And then uh, following that in the WhatsApp group, we were asked to like provide music that you might play at a funeral so like you like my fire and things like that were, were coming out there was all sorts of weird and wonderful songs that were coming out so there's some that are really quite popular and others that you've not heard of but yeah I, I but you know it's part of the it's part of the it's part of the sad part but out of it comes humor and mm. I guess that's really that other people are, are feeling like that and actually um it's important that people feel free to talk about it isn't it really? yeah I think. and who was your first friend who passed away from cancer? I've lost a couple within my um, Shine group. I think that was probably my first experience of it. So unfortunately within that 2008 group, we lost a couple of people within the first year. That that was really tough. Um, and then I've lost a few within my network as well. And then uh, 2019, I lost a very close friend of mine actually outside of the Shine community. Um, and that is really tough. Um, it's really hard. Um, but I guess I've been at this a little while now and I have started to focus on the good that they've brought into my life mm-hmm. which I appreciate is not easy to do but I think it's true of any experience isn't it in life you're going to people the only things we're guaranteed of is you're born and you die and I guess in the council world we know when we're going to die in some ways and so I guess it brings that to the forefront and we talk about it whereas actually in the normal everyday world um people 
can happily be going on with their life and actually they could die anyway and we wouldn't necessarily be as planned for that but um i've not let it impact the relationships i've had with people that are formed within cancer support groups um i think they bring a lot to me in terms of their knowledge and their wealth and their fun and uh i'd be a better person for knowing that so i think i wouldn't i guess let's face it none of us chose a cancer this is like nobody ever puts that on a life plan um but i guess from that i've developed some awesome friendships um with people that are, will be friends for life and so if i've not had the cancer those people wouldn't be in my my life and some of those people are still here and i hope they will still be here for a long time um, and sadly some of those people have only been or touched my life for a very short period of time but um i think the people i have lost have done so with such dignity and camaraderie right up until the end that actually in order to honor them they would want me to still be living my best life i guess and having fun but remembering them and, and using what they've taught me really to either help other people or to help myself yeah. i'm not sure that too well but, no um, you it, explain that beautifully <laughs> and yeah i i can relate to that um i think you know, when something happens outside, um, you know, I mean, this is the thing. When someone, you lose someone, say, um, in an accident, um, it doesn't necessarily ring the same bell as when you have cancer and your friend dies of it. Um, and I know that some of the feelings that can come up in this kind of complicated grief are survivor's guilt um, and also the guilt of feeling like you're making it about you instead of making it about your friend. Because I think a lot of people are like, no, I want to 100% just think about my friend. But actually, they're terrified on the inside and there isn't like somewhere for that to be expressed. And I was just wondering, is that something that you've seen, Hannah, or you've experienced at any point? Survivor's guilt's real, I think. Um with anybody that you lose, I think you never really understand why, especially within the community of Shine, people being so young, I think if people are older, it's more accepted that they've lived a good life, but you know, somebody's in their 30s, 40s, 50s, I mean, they've kind of started on life and so and they've still got a lot to give. Um, and survivor's guilt is always going to be there because they haven't necessarily done anything different to me, it's just that their time is their time. and. Um, yeah, it's inevitable. I think you put yourself in their shoes and don't understand why it's happened to them, but not you or how you're still alive. Um, but none of us know why any of this happens in the first place, do we? Otherwise, we'd be able to do something about it. Um, yeah, it's survivor's guilt. That it's taken me quite a long time to kind of get to grips with that a little bit. Um, and again, I, I'm a little bit out of treatment, so that does help, I guess. But um, I believe that if I was in that person's shoes, and that's how I always look at it now, and I was the person that wasn't here and the other person was here, that I wouldn't want them to feel good, guilty for my loss. I'd want them to remember me and, and use the bits that I've maybe left with them, yeah. whatever wonderful components that might be. Um, and, you know, go and have laughter and camaraderie in my honour, really, or have a glass of wine or a gin and tonic, because um, you know, or go and do some random camping trip in a field and floating water, whatever that might be. I think... I'd rather people go do that and remember me for that than be sitting there sorrowful. I'm not saying that is don't remember me or raise a glass to me or whatever that might be or light a candle. Um, 
I've got a star on my windowsill in memory of my friend, just as a little reminder each day that he was a big important part of my life. Um, and you know, he he got diagnosed in the August um, and sadly died in the November, and so that was really quick, really fast. I was guilt with that is massive because you know I I went through a long laborious treatment, and you kind of think, well, how how have I come out the other side, and he didn't even manage to get onto treatment because um, the diagnosis was too late. So for for that, there is some real survivor's guilt but actually he wouldn't want that he would want me to remember him do some weird and wonderful things in honor of him um right but also want me to live and be laughter and smiling and you know and doing the things we used to do because actually none of us know what's around the corner do we? no I, I do think there is um a normalizing if you do experience survivor's guilt like I think it is quite a normal feeling to have and it sounds like what you've done is is channeled it um, and thought about a way of framing it that really honours your friend and is lovely. Um, yeah, I mean, I know for me, like I remember hearing about somebody and just breaking into a complete panic attack and not knowing if I was panicking 100% for them or for me or for all of us. Or like, why is the world this way? But it was like, it, one thing led to another. And I think that um, grief is just, it, it, it's, I mean, how many different emotions come underneath grief, right? Like it's all the things. And so, you know, there can be those days of anger, of frustration, of, you know, sadness, of like trying to make meaning. Um, and what it sounds like you've done Hannah is like yeah like you're finding meaning in that gin and tonic and that light and (laughs) and going camping trips Um, and I really want to bring Mari in here Um, Mari I can see you smiling I can see you relating to a lot of this how has it been to listen to Hannah yeah I mean I echo pretty much everything that that Hannah's said Um, there's so many similarities in, in you know in, in what what she says to what what I think and feel and have been through um so yeah there's a yeah I I would echo a lot of what what she said yeah. and what uh, was going on what was happening in your life when you were diagnosed um so I was initially diagnosed in 2015 um had no symptoms that came very out of the blue um things were going well in life i was um i just sort of worked my way up into my in my career i had my dream job um i was traveling lots i had a lovely boyfriend oh. and we were talking about you know potentially getting engaged soon and getting married and everything was was going well and i had lots of friends i was very social i was out all the time but party girl um, yeah, and life was life was really good. I was I was thirty one at the time, and I had sort of like all the usual hopes and dreams and aspirations for the future that a thirty one would have. Um, and then one day out of the blue, I just got extreme uh, belly pain, and uh, then quickly had a lot of tests done. And within about ten days, I uh, went from thinking I was a sort of healthy and uh, you know, healthy, happy 31-year-old to being told I had stage four bowel cancer and it had sort of spread to my ovaries and and uh, it wasn't looking good. And at the, the, the first oncologist meeting um, sort of said to me, they're putting me on palliative chemotherapy and really weren't sure about the outcome. Um, so I kind of left his office almost planning my funeral that day. 
Um, and it was quite a, a lot to get my head around. Yeah. But anyway, that was in 2015. I went, I went through a lot of treatment, chemo and operations and all sorts of stuff. And amazingly became disease free. Um, I went into complete remission and I was disease free for a couple of years. I was off everything and which was weird as well because it was like um a kind of like get out of jail free card had been given to me and like yeah and I was sent back to normal life it was it, it was a strange adjustment as well to go from just being in the the treatment thing to suddenly off you going back to normal life but I did and I sort of pieced life back together and I worked really hard to get my job back in place and and we got married me and the the lovely boyfriend got married congratulations um, thank you and we moved forward with life we started traveling again and we started doing all the stuff we loved and then uh unfortunately i was diagnosed with uh on a routine scan um surveillance scan i was diagnosed with lymph node recurrence um which is non-operable again so i'm, I'm back to being stage four again um so it was a it was a hard blow to take. Um, up to that point, I'd kind of always thought, oh, I don't need support. I'm doing okay. I'm strong. I don't need you know. I was quite uh, deluded, I think, into thinking that I could do it all on my own. Um, but um, yeah, the, the recurrence hit me really, really hard, um, more so than the initial diagnosis actually, um, because I'd gone through it all had all the treatment yep completed treatment and got a taste of what normal life was like again and Mm -hmm. then it was snatched away again and that was even more difficult than just being in it first time round. and also first time round, I had the the naivety of not knowing what was going to happen to me and just went into it and did it whereas the second time round, I knew what treatment was like and how hard it had been and what side effects I'd had and that was going to face all that again and still have to you know go and present my arm to take the stuff knowing all that so it was tough to do that um and is that what got you over that reluctance to find a support group yeah absolutely yeah so at that point i had a really low ebb um and it was during the height of the covid pandemic um so i was um shielding um, so I wasn't allowed to see, you know, friends, um, and apart from like my immediate, immediate family at the time when I needed the support the most, most. I couldn't get it and I couldn't, uh, go for like on the first time round, we used to go, I have my cycles and I'd be like, yeah, it's going to be bad for a few days, but on my good days, we'd plan to go for a spa day or go for a cinema or go for a meal or do something that made it bearable. Whereas this was just like have treatment and go home and be in your house and don't like see anyone and all the exact anxiety as well was horrendous worrying about covid will i get covid i've done all this and will it actually be a virus that finishes me off rather than you know Mm. there was so much going on and i just thought actually yeah i could do with some help here um and it was very isolating especially with the covid thing going on so did you come Um, along at that point to a breakout program yeah so i looked up for help and uh, found came across Shine and I thought well that that sounds really good it sounds like similar people to me and it's online which is good because you know at least I'll be able to still interact with people and that'd be nice um, and I came across the breakout program 
um I did that and it was it was amazing initially I was very I was one of those people who was very reluctant to join a support group I had kind of fixed beliefs about what a support group looked like or would be which were totally wrong were misheld beliefs but I I always thought oh no I'm not you know I don't want to join I'm I'm upset and and down about my own issues I certainly don't want to join a group of 10 other people talking about their depressing issues and upsetting <laughs> things that's how's that gonna help that's not gonna help anybody and that was my you know it's going to be horribly depressing and and how um, did you feel at the end of the program so sort of asking you the yeah. same question that I asked Hannah yeah yeah so it was a like a six-week program um where you get put into a small group with six, about six or eight other people I think it was six in our group and a facilitator who facilitates each session it's scheduled in each week which was a really important factor for me because it's like the gym sometimes if you if you've got a class booked in you'll go and do it um and it's good for you if you don't you'll be like oh maybe I'll do it tomorrow and you never get around to doing it so I think the fact that it was a scheduled in weekly regular thing and it was with the same six people who you developed strong relationships with and you felt safe with those six six people was really really good um and from the very first I kind of went into it going this isn't going to be for me. It half-heartedly going into it just so I can say to my family, because my family were like, look, you, you know, why don't you just give something a go because you are, you, you know, you're down and maybe it might help. And I was like, nah, it's not going to help, but, you know, I'll do it just for them kind of thing. And, oh, how wrong was I, you know? <laughs> my only regret about it is that I didn't do it in 2015 when I was first diagnosed that it took me till t till 2020 you know going through all of that on my own before I I, I came across it, it was brilliant and yeah. the first session I I joined up I could instantaneously just tell that the, it was a lovely bunch of people um, and although we all had different diseases different stages different whatever we all had like common like a, a camaraderie yeah like Hannah yeah. said camaraderie there was, and was camaraderie, Tasha in your group yeah so I all, all the people in my group were great and I still am in contact with all of them but of one particular person we just clicked instantaneously um on the very first like meet I mean we were just like two peas in a pod it was it was unbelievable incredible the similarities that me and that girl had um of all the people if you could hand pick a friend mm -hmm. who would be a, you know forget cancer but just on values interests thought processes sense shared sense of humor on all those aspects and i heard you had a dark you both shared a dark sense of humor as well we did. We had our we had our moments. We, you know, sometimes you have to laugh or you cry, honestly, and you have to make light of a situation. Sometimes it's the only way to get get you through. Sometimes it. I also find that it removes some of the power of the disease itself if you kind of belittle it a little bit, <laughs> and and it helps you take control of it a little bit. Um, but yeah, she 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 loved a. a 
a little drink of wine and stuff and often on our whatsapp groups she would always be there with her, her little glass um of wine and she, we used to joke about things like um when i was going for ct scans and i would be having my bill prep she used to always text me and say i'll oh, ask them to stick a you know cocktail umbrella and a maraschino cherry in it for you like, <laughs> <laughs> let's jazz it up a bit or um when i was going on a holiday for the first time um uh for like years um and i was so excited about it she would she would text me funny things like yeah just make sure that you don't like automatically sort of jump on to the scan machine and go through with the suitcase so <laughs> 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 used to having scans or we used to joke about our hair loss we both had lost our hair and we used to joke about I mean it was a painful thing we both really loved our hair if it was upsetting but we used to make yeah it light by joking about it so we used to sort of text various different sort of stages of our crazy hair regrowth mm-hmm. and things. and we had names for them so we had like sort of the um I've been at the Edward Scissorhands salon today <laughs> and like chunks out or um Yes, I'm featuring the Friar Tuck look today. Oh, or yes. you know, we, we we joked about our our hair. Um and it, it was a bit of a running joke that I actually somehow was spending more on hair than when I had hair. <laughs> you know, yeah. buying all these wigs and, and hair products and scalp products and so we laughed about things like that. And when uh, when did you lose Tasha? Um back back in July time yeah just a few still quite recent fairly recent um and it although we both had stage four disease um and that you know that's always there and you always like Hannah says have some preparation or acknowledgement that that might be what happens it it, it still came as a shock yeah it, Still came as a shock. Um, she uh, she was doing really well, and and things did happen quite suddenly towards the end. But um, yeah, it did, it did still really shake me. And despite the fact that knowing how well she was, it still came as a big sort of shock and a big realization to me as well. Again, um, and reminded me about my own yeah issues, my own health and. Um, and how was that for you, kind of both grieving her, but also that impact on you? Yeah, so it was difficult. Like you say, I sometimes would be feeling panicked or, or worried, upset about, and, and I didn't really know what, you know, was I upset about her? Was I worried about an upset for myself, for all of us, for her family, for... You know, there were just so many things in there. I just felt um, so sad. And then sometimes I'd feel guilty if I did bring it on to myself yeah. to like, oh, oh, that might happen to me. And oh, and, and then I'd think, no, you shouldn't be thinking about yourself and all of this. Think about Tasha. And it would make me feel, feel a bit guilty, you know, for bringing it on to me. Um, I guess it happens naturally sometimes and you're in that, very similar position of health that's only natural to yeah i mean you know seen some, something happen it's um, having that capacity ass. for both really isn't it and but yeah. it feels really tough 
to have the that grief split i mean i think i think i yeah it's it's complicated it's layered grief and there mm-hmm. is that um you know whereas if it was in another area for another reason another part of your life there would be a, a clarity even in that horrendous feeling of loss mm. um that i think when you have cancer yourself and when you know like you've said you're um in in treatment and you've got your diagnosis like mm. so how how do you feel like if someone said to you was it worth it you know was it you know like that that sadness because I think some people do avoid you know mm-hmm. making friends because it's just is it too hard on the other end to lose them and yeah. I was wondering what what would you say to that yeah so I was one of those people um I before join and shine that was one of the reasons one was I worried it would be depressing one I worried mm, I don't think I really want to make friends with other people that I might lose that might not be a good thing for me it might be too painful um and it did put me off from joining shine you know for a while um but having gone through it what I would say to other people is that obviously of course losing her was incredibly painful and sad but the positivity and the fun and the laughs and the support and the empathy um that uh, being a friend gave far outweighed uh, the pain. And I guess the way I see it is that um, nothing in life comes for free, unfortunately. And uh, perhaps pain and, and grief is the small price we have to pay for all the, the goodness. Um, that she brought and the positives that she brought to my life and many others. And she's not with us now. She still inspires me and she st- I still carry her. Uh, and she still inspires me. She, she was big into her like fitness and exercise. And, and often uh, she'd, you know, she'd be there doing a bicycle ride or doing a yoga class. And um, if I'm having a down day or a, a day where I, I'm really struggling, I, I think, what would Tasha do? And it like, really motivates me to yeah. get up and to go and do something. Like like Hannah said, it always motivates me to do something. She was such a positive, vibrant, happy person. And she loved to travel and she loved like similar things that I like doing. And I always think, right, you know, what should I do today that would honour her memory mm. and make her happy, you know, that I've done that and also brings me happiness to do that so I've heard you say do it for Tasha um, yeah, yeah and what would Tasha do is like nice nice slogans yeah, to yeah. have yeah I used to always text or like saying oh I'm having a WWTD moment <laughs> <laughs> a what would Tasha do moment um, and yeah it, I do things for Tasha I'm like no get up and go and do this really and I do fun things as a result of that really good things went to Holland and it was a big swing over the side of a building at like 200 and something foot in the air and it's really not something that I would normally do but I'm like I'm gonna do it for Tasha she's gonna I'm gonna carry her on this you know journey with me on this swing and there I was swinging across this 
this building. So yeah, like Hannah says, I do lots of weird and wonderful things to honour our memory and uh, hope our spirit kind of lives vicariously yeah. on through. Oh, oh my God, I love that. It sounds terrifying just hearing about it. <laughs> um, <laughs> like I, I'm getting a sense of, of Tasha um, from, from your conversation, um, feeling like I know her. I, I remember um, once, you know, she wasn't someone that was a friend of mine, um, but I met her at, um, at a cancer event and she was such a force of nature. Um, and it, when she was talking to me, she was like, oh, you need to do the skydive. And it was as if I was already jumping out of the plane. Like I could feel the wind on my face. Like she just had that kind of like, you're going to do it. And I knew she was incredibly ill and she didn't have much time. And out of my mouth came the words, yes. And as soon as I said it, I thought, oh, my God, I can't back down. And she did pass away before I did the um, the jump out of the plane. I would never have done it, ever in a million years. I'm never going to do it again. But it was incredible. Yeah. And, yeah, like, what a shame it would be to miss out on those experiences where, like, you know, um, like any other friend that that takes you on this kind of expansive, you know, bringing out yeah, different it, parts it, of it you. Enriches your life enriches. in a way that you might might not have done otherwise. Like gives yeah. you experiences like you might not have done otherwise. So, yeah, and when when you asked me before about what I would say about you know, like if someone asks, oh, but will it be painful? Is it worth it all? Even knowing the pain of losing Tasha, if you rewind the clock and went, put me back to start a breakout program and said, you can either go and you'll be friends with Tasha and you'll have all this wonderful friendship and meet this wonderful person, but it might be a little bit painful or you can just leave it. I would do it all again in a heartbeat, you know? Um, she was only around for a relatively short period of my life, but it, what a wonderful time it was um, and I wouldn't, change it for the world um so glad that i met her and that her positivity and everything carries on in in my life in, even to this day even though she's not physically around anymore she's you know still very much uh pushes me along and carries me along and and i, I look back at funny little conversations we've had or little messages she sent me and they still make me smile you know so even even though there's pain you can have pain and and joy and gladness you can be sad the person's gone or glad they were there and i'm glad she was there and uh that's so yeah, beautiful I, mean, like, I always say to people when if somebody said to you you're gonna get to go to an amazing amazing holiday you're gonna go and see all these wonderful things you're gonna have a great time it's gonna be the best experience of your life obviously you're gonna have it's gonna come to an end do you want to go or do you not you're gonna go yeah. even though you're not gonna come to an end yeah, I think that that's a wonderful way of articulating that. And I want to bring Hannah in here. If someone is listening to this and um, they, they've just heard, and maybe this is the first time that they've lost a friend, um, 
what is like some of the ways that you can kind of be aware of the effect on you or like ways that you can maybe look after yourself or things that you've done to kind of in those first early days of sitting with that and and processing it I think there's a number of things aren't there I think there's helplessness that comes up quite apparently when you lose somebody because we're also helpless we can't change it as much as we would want to um I think there's also an, an awareness of helplessness if you're a person that always helps people as well it's, it's quite a difficult place to find yourself in and I think helplessness comes out throughout the whole cancer journey whether it's for yourself or for other people um I think there's a danger that we could isolate ourselves away and lock ourselves away because we don't want to maybe darken other people's doors. Um, and I think the guilt for surviving when others haven't is always, it's a perfectly natural feeling. Whilst we all feel guilt of having survivor's guilt, it's a perfectly natural feeling. And um, we will all feel that at some point. Um, it's bound to accept, uh, affect our moods, um, might result in outbursts of emotional um, disruption. Um, and it, it might also result in, I wish I'd done this for that person, or I wish I'd done that for this person, or I wish I told them that. Um, they know. Um, I know that's really difficult when you're sat on the, uh, in the emotional part of the now, um, but they know. And I think we've also got to remember that we've got to be kind to ourselves as well. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't acknowledge the guilt and we shouldn't acknowledge the helplessness, but we have got to be super kind to ourselves. and part of the, the programs that we deliver breakout or circles we teach something called self-compassion and it's certainly not my default mode um and i don't think it's any of our default mode actually that are on here but I, I do believe that it's really important that we are kind to ourselves because you know we've all experienced a really tough experience with cancer whatever that might look like and um it's important that we should remember that as well as the people we lose and i think if we have just lost somebody I think I try and do something to honour them. So that might be just quite reflectful time to sit and think about them, the fun times, maybe the hard times. Uh, it might be I go for a walk, perhaps not today because it's peeing it down with rain. <laughs> might kind of think, well, actually, maybe they're having the last laugh on me. You know, they're trying to make me, get me wet. Um, so I think if we can try and turn the sorrow into something fun, um, like a candle, you know, um, find something that you can put around your house to honour them or have something that's just a gentle reminder of something that they remind you of. I don't know what that might be. So for Natasha, it might be when we have a glass of wine. Uh, yeah. It might be when you're doing your yoga class. But um, yeah. Ian, I've got a star on the window. So I think you've just got to find something that helps you remember that person. Yeah. But also yourself. I think it's really important yeah, that we I, for ourselves. Um, yeah. I think that talking, that kindness, yeah. and whatever emotions are coming up, so normal so normal thank you so much to both of you um for talking today and you know i know that this is you know it 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 can have all the emotions because i mean your face when you were talking about tasha mari was just lit up um i really wished that i had met her but i kind of feel like i have from talking to you amazingly fun person wasn't she you know to hannah she was lovely, lovely girl. Yeah. Lovely camaraderie that she, she put around the group was amazing. And I think, you know, we talk with brightened everyone's. We do talk about her a lot. And so actually her spirit lives on, doesn't it? Because actually, yeah. so I think yeah. it's important that we, we honour our friends. I think, you know, there's unfortunately many people that I've come to know and through doing some of the work with Shine and the loss is always hard. Mm. Um, but I think for me, I 
believe that the good that comes from this outweighs the bad. And yeah. I'm a much more enriched person as a result of learning from them, but also sharing my knowledge with others that perhaps maybe makes their their experience of cancer maybe easier or more to come to terms with where they find themselves yeah yeah thank you so much to both of you it's just really lovely um talking today i know it is it's such a big topic and i know at different times different people that i've met have have um affected me you know yeah you do need a moment to sit and think about them and talk about it and express that and it was really lovely to be with you and do that today for all of you out there listening if there's a topic that you think isn't discussed enough something that you think that would be really helpful get in touch let us know let us know if you want to be a guest as well please hit like or subscribe or rate because it really makes a difference it bumps us up and other people can find us thank you to the wonderful radio facilities for sponsoring our podcast they're amazing we have a um, Shine Connect coming up next week. Hannah, do you know the dates? Yeah, so it's um, the 12th of November through to the 17th of November. I'm not um, good with maths or dates. <laughs> I'm so <laughs> glad you were there. 12th through the 17th. If you look 17th. on the shinecancersupport.org uh, website, you'll find uh, a place to register for it. But yeah, so 12th, Saturday the 12th of November to Thursday the 17th. It is an online conference. There's going to be so many different events happening. So do come along. Do check out the website, shinecancersupport.org. Till next time. Bye.